Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes, who is in New Hampshire on the eve of the big primary. Steve, where are you and what's going on? Hi, Michael. I am in uh, Manchester. I am at the Puritan Back Room, where we are expecting Marco Rubio to show up uh, in about a half hour. So I'm riding furiously from my car <laughs> and waiting for Rubio. Uh, how many events have you been to in the last 24 hours? Or I should say since the debate. And what have you seen? Uh, I have been to, let's see, on Sunday, I, I hit three, what day is it today? Monday. <laughs> um, so I went to a Rubio retail stop today. I was going to try to spend most of the day with him. Um, and then yesterday I saw Jeb Bush in the morning, John Kasich in the early afternoon, um, and oh, I'm sorry, Ted Cruz in the early afternoon and John Kasich in the late afternoon. So it's been, been a busy 24 hours. Here. And what would you take away from the crowds that you saw there and from the demeanor of the candidates themselves? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, Jeb Bush had a, a pretty big crowd yesterday morning, uh, spoke for a while. Um, had some good moments, and I thought had some some not so good moments. He uh, he started to lose his crowd about forty five minutes in, and sort of the back half of the uh, of the it was a uh, school cafeteria uh, was emptying as he finished. Apparently, the same thing happened at Donald Trump's event yesterday, although I did not go to that. Um, but there seems to be some enthusiasm, just judging from crowd numbers uh, at the Bush uh, event. I think he's got a pretty significant Florida contingent with him as well. So I think they're taking up a, a number of seats uh, also. So it was, a, it was a good, good, more or less a good event for, for Jeb Bush. Ted Cruz, I saw him in Peterborough. He was, uh, it was not packed. I would say it was a, a reasonably good crowd. Um, at the beginning of that event, interestingly enough, Bill O'Brien, who's the former speaker of the New Hampshire House right. and is uh, has endorsed Cruz, uh, asked for a show of hands from people who were out of state. And more than half of the of the place raised their hands, which was <laughs> interesting. Mike Warren has a very good write up uh, on our website about that event. And, and there's a the lot of coverage. By the way, there's just just for our listeners, there's a lot of coverage at weeklystandard.com because you're on the ground there. Bills on the Bill Crystal, Michael Warren, um, uh, John McCormick all reporting yeah. on the ground. It's interesting, my in-laws live in New Hampshire. They went to a Carly event on Sunday, said it was a big crowd. My son drove up from uh, Massachusetts to go to a Rubio event, and it was packed even though it was two hours late because it got held up at a previous event. He said the crowd was massive. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I have, uh, you know, the, the conventional wisdom is here that Rubio had this awful debate on, on Saturday and that, that uh, it's really going to hurt him. And that may end up being the case. There's no question that, that you talk to voters and, and people have questions about it. Um, but just judging from the size of his crowd, and that's, you know, a very imprecise way of, of judging, he has had huge crowds uh, throughout the state uh, over the past 48 hours since the debate. So if crowd size is any indication of, of enthusiasm, Rubio is doing okay. Is Rubio dealing with the uh, the troubles? Because what we've I've seen reported is that he's doubling down, saying I would say it again, thank you for saying it, as opposed to doing what, if I were running his campaign, I'd urge me to do, which is say, look, you know, I had a, a, a Marco moment, I kind of, you know, I kind of, you know, it's, it's, I, you, the debate's going on, I made a mistake, here's what I learned from the mistake, and let me show you what I can do. I is he, are they going to try to pull this like their gang of eight thing? Just keep spinning and hope that no one lands another punch. 
Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, there's no indication yet that that they're ready to sort of concede that it was a mistake. I mean, they want to. They want to, as you say, double down. He gave an interview this morning on CBS in which he did exactly that and said, you know what, I'm not. Not only am I not apologizing for uh, repeating myself about that important point on Saturday night, I'm going to repeat it again today. Mm. Barack Obama is deliberately trying to change the country, and it's a centerpiece of my campaign to make that argument. Um, I think there's a case to be made for doing what you suggest, for, for trying to, to acknowledge that it didn't come out the way that, uh, that he'd wanted and mm-hmm. that um, you know, people have raised questions about it. Certainly people are talking about it. We hang a lantern on it, have him make a joke. He did that very effectively, you'll remember, after he had to take that sip of water right. uh, during this, the State of the Union response. Then he, he made a joke of it and kind of mm-hmm. hanged a lantern on it. I think there's a case to be made for doing something along those lines. But the crowd, what are the crowds asking about? Like, what, what is it they seem to want from Rubio and from Bush and the other candidates you've seen? What do the crowds want? You know, it's a mix. Um, there was, a, there was a, an interesting moment at a Jeb Bush rally yesterday where I thought he really mishandled the question. He, he got a question from a, a young boy, uh, maybe five or six years old, whose entire question was, what about Mexico and illegal immigration? something to that effect. Right. And Bush responded by talking about the um, net outflow of migrants from the United States. And it was just, it was such a think tank response to a little boy's question. It was just a huge disconnect, I thought. And, and later, um, Bush obviously wanted to talk about what he would do with the 11 or 12 million illegal immigrants who are already in the country. And said to the little boy, I imagine you were also asking about what I would do with the 11 or 12 million illegal immigrants. And of course, the little boy was asking no such thing. I mean, he just had this very general question. You can imagine that he probably had to muster up all his courage exactly. to, to ask it and was very short. So it was a, a, a bit of a disconnect. Now, I think Bush had good moments uh, elsewhere. He spent quite a bit of time yesterday talking about his education reforms in Florida. He steered clear largely of common core, but talked about the kinds of uh, other reforms that he had made in the state and uh, seems to, to be winning over some converts on that. I talked to the chairman of the New Hampshire Republican Party, and she said that the she, from what she's seen, the best ground game is Jeb Bush's ground game. And then she talked about the storm that's rolling in. It's going to hit Massachusetts more than New Hampshire. But that may, that may, as she put it, quote, test people's get-out-the-vote organizations. It's starting. It's snowing furiously. It started five minutes before you and I began chatting uh, about noon on Monday. So the, the storm is coming. Uh, it's certainly going to snow here for the better part of today. There's some question as to whether it will linger into tomorrow. But I think virtually everybody believes that, th- that it'll make it at least a little bit dicey to, to getting people out to vote. The conventional wisdom is, of course, that that hurts Donald Trump, who uh, you know, may have people have indicated that they're supporters of his or admirers of his, but, but aren't yet ready voters for him uh, or, or may not be voters from him if they can't get out to the polls. So um, we'll see if, that's, if that ends up being the case. I, I think John Kasich uh, ha- has a pretty good operation here. He's, he, I was at his town hall yesterday afternoon with his 102nd town hall wow. in the state. It was, uh, I, it was just weird. I mean, that's really the only way I can describe it. He 
spoke for almost 22 minutes, uh, prepared remarks. I mean, he was off the cuff, but his opening speech was almost 22 minutes. And he never talked about national security or the threats that, that we face as a country. And as he neared the end of his opening remarks, he even stopped himself and said, well, have I forgotten anything? And he thought for a second, he determined that he hadn't and plunged into the Q&A session, which I thought was was very interesting. In the Q&A session, he did get a number of questions about national security, I think perhaps because people hadn't heard anything uh, from him about that. So it was, a, I thought, a, a major omission to, to simply not talk about the threats, not talk about U.S. national security at a time when voters are telling pollsters they're keenly interested in that. But out here, away from New Hampshire, there's a lot of rumbling that this Kasich, this may be Kasich's breakout state. As you know, in New Hampshire, they don't have an open primary. A, a registered Democrat can't vote in the Republican primary. But most of the voters are unaffiliated. There are a lot of unaffiliated who usually vote Democrat, and people are saying they could come over and vote for John Kasich. And Steve, I want to add one more element to that. Someone mentioned to me today, I thought it was very wise, if you're an independent who leans Democrat and you look at the choices you've got, you know, the crook or the communist, you may be, this may be a year where you run to a Kasich on the Republican side and maybe give him a boost that he needs. It'll be very interesting uh, what Democrats do and unaffiliated voters do. I think you're exactly right. I do expect Kasich to do well here. Um, there seems to be some movement in the polls for him. If you talk to campaigns and super PACs privately who are polling the state, they will say that, that he's, uh, you know, he's, he maybe has the same kind of momentum that Marco Rubio had in the days before Iowa. Uh, I heard of one tracking poll that has him in second place and in a strong second place. Um, so I think Kasich could could do well, could outperform the polls of just a couple weeks ago. Uh, and it would be due in part, no doubt, to Democrats and independents who would back his candidacy. At the rally yesterday, or at his town hall yesterday, I sat next to exactly that kind of a voter voter profile that you described, who says he's voted for Democrats for the last four times uh, in gubernatorial elections here in New Hampshire and has voted for Republicans in presidential elections each of the past four years and really likes Kasich, who said he remembered Kasich coming up to New Hampshire to test the waters in 1999 when wow. he first looked at running for president and liked him back then and, and had told all his friends that if Kasich runs for president, they ought to support him so he was uh he was pretty enthusiastic about the uh, event yesterday one other thing that that Kasich you know he's got this odd talking style it, it is sort of this aw shucks you know common sense it's like a return to common sense is is a theme to the extent there's any theme to be discerned from Kasich's remarks but he sometimes gets a little ahead of himself he had a, I'd say a, almost a 10 minute section of his prepared remarks in which he he offered this sort of therapist style diagnosis of America's problems and said, you know, we're really just all lonely. We need a shoulder to cry on, and we need somebody to help celebrate our victories. And you know, really, that's the problem: is we're not as connected as we used to be, and uh, we we don't interact with one another. We're a part of this, you know, mosaic right. at this one particular moment in time. And it was this kind of odd interlude about, I don't know, you know, it was like a conversation you might have with your wife or with a friend, but it was, it was a weird pitch for votes, <laughs> I have to say. And he, and he finished it, by the way, by saying, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to slow my life down. I've made a determination I'm going to slow my life down. And you just sit there and think, 
Man, you're three days before the New Hampshire primary where you staked your presidential campaign. If you win here, your life's going to get infinitely more chaotic. If you win the Republican nomination, you'll get even more chaotic. And if you were to become the president and the leader of the free world, you'd have zero time. So unless you think you're going to lose, you're definitely not going to slow your life down at any any point soon. One last question for you. There's been a conversation about how one reason Rubio's in the spot he's in is that uh, the other candidates have painted him up as a target, particularly Christie and Bush, whereas Rubio is essentially ignoring the rest of the field whenever possible and running against Hillary. Is that presumptive? Is that a mistake? And, is, and isn't Kasich kind of doing something similar? Yeah, no, it's 100% accurate. Um, Kasich didn't, in his time, in his remarks yesterday, really steered clear of criticizing any of the other candidates. Uh, he had sort of a glancing shot at Donald Trump, but otherwise didn't criticize and got a comment uh, in the question and answer session about how this one woman was going to vote for him because she liked how positive he was right. and wasn't bagging on the other candidates. Uh, Rubio has definitely had the same uh, philosophy. He has tried hard, uh, some would argue too hard, to avoid criticizing the other candidates. I think uh, you know one of the things that, that caused that hiccup in the debate on Saturday night was a determination not to get in a knockdown, drag-out fight right. with Chris Christie, who's polling at 4% in New Hampshire. And it was that determination to pivot to Barack Obama and criticize the Obama administration and to avoid a confrontation with the other candidates who aren't polling as well as he is that I think had him going back continually too many times to that same line about dispelling this fiction that Barack Obama isn't trying to do what he's doing to the country. That was an over... It's not a dumb strategy. I think the strategy itself makes some sense. It's just that Rubio went back to it one too many times. Uh, More more than one. Yeah, more more than one. It was one step away from the movie Rain Man. You know, five minutes to Wapner, five minutes to Wapner. Definitely not my underwear. (laughs) Definitely not my underwear. That's not a good sign. Uh, Steve Hayes is on the ground in New Hampshire. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast on the eve of the New Hampshire primary. You bet, Michael. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.